To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome to another episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. Today we have a phenomenal show. Our guests are New York Patriot and Lux. They are hosts of the popular podcast, Occult Rejects, and are also former members of secret societies. Today we are going to discuss magic, mysticism, the occult, spirituality, conspiracy theories, and much more. Guys, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. Very good, my friend. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely, man. Hey, you know, I, I uh, had a great time with you guys. Obviously, I was on your show a few weeks back, man. Thank you for having me on again. You know, I think I know I said that a few times, but I want to thank you guys for having me on. And, and thanks for coming on the Hidden Gateway Podcast, man. So, hey, man, I, I just want to jump right in here. Um First thing I want to know is how long have you guys uh, how long have you guys known each other, and what what made what made you decide to start a cult rejects? Wow, uh, I, I think I'll cover this one. Um, the the reason why being is because I left uh, my secret society, and then uh, for a couple years I was uh, trying to find other people who kind of had a similar background to me, and couldn't really find a lot of other people. Um, and just one day I happened to be driving to work and I heard this podcast on, um, lift the uh, veil. What, what was that? Lift, lift the veil. The veil. Yeah. And, uh, New York Patriot, he had, he had gone on that show to talk about his experience in his secret society. And he was speaking my language, man, like everything he was going through with the experience, why he left, et cetera. I was like, dude, he, he, he gets it. And so I reached out to him. Um, and we touched base and had a great time talking. And so we decided to start our own podcast. It's been roughly about a year and a half. Oh, well, almost, almost a year and a half now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. He emailed me and I had him on my show as a guest because he was showing me connections between both our secret societies, how the OTO and the golden dawn connected. So I was like, Oh man, I was like, I got to have you on my own show. And then I was like, you know, I, I think it was like, we might have recorded, what, maybe twice, Lux, or maybe three times. It was three episodes. I don't know if it was all done at one time, but I think we had a two or three part series, and uh, I genuinely felt that he was being honest and 
his intentions was the same as mine. And I was like, this is just crazy to pass up, you know? So I was like, yo, we want to do something together? Dude, and it was crazy to see because, you know, the secret society that he was in was the OTO. Mine was the Golden Dawn. And to see, because the whole reason why I even left the Golden Dawn was because of these weird connections that I was seeing. Um, you know, they have these weird things in, in the Golden Dawn. It's like, well, once you get into this certain level, then you can join a, an inner order of the Golden Dawn. And then once you pass that level, that you can go into a even more secretive level of the Golden Dawn. Hmm. And the more that I sort of researched on my own, because I was starting to get really nervous about the whole thing, because it just felt like this was an endless circle, uh, like a spiral of inner orders um, that I've researched that whole, what those orders were on my own. And uh, sure enough, it led exactly to OTO stuff and to uh, Thelemic magic, uh, Crowleyan magic, and, and things that I really was not interested in um, when I was first joining the Golden Dawn. So it was like for us to build that bridge between our secret societies was huge. Um, and I, I it, the more that we've covered a lot of shit, I think that there's way more connections between these secret societies. And uh, but anyway, that's how we got started. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So you were part of Golden Dawn and uh, NY. You were part of OTO, right? Yes, sir. And, and what does that stand for? Is it Ordo? What is it? Ordo Templi Orientis. Okay. Okay. What What initially made you want to join a secret society, man? For me. Um, when I started getting down in there, I guess, into like the rabbit holes, you know, whenever I started, uh, I think one day, what was I watching? I was watching like some cheesy, like alien, uh, it was like kind of like a Blair Witch type way where it was like, you know, one person taking a camera of this like alien thing because I was like watching UFO stuff on uh, YouTube or alien stuff and somehow stumbled upon like Project Camelot, which was like conspiracy theory shit. Oh, you know, movie. yeah, I'm, that's how old, like back then when Kerry Cassidy was like kind of a name, you know, that's yeah, when yeah, I got yeah. into this shit. <laughs> and and uh, I, I, I right away just was believed that these secret societies uh, were real and they did influence and that I believed the magic was real prior to really even getting into that. Okay. So, you know, just just as a kid, I had also believed in paranormal and UFOs and I believed that, you know, magic or something like that was real. I, I did believe that as a child and it still stuck with me a little bit so that might have been why i was kind of attracted to that with conspiracy theories you know the magic and stuff and uh i was like you know what i, I think this is real and i was like kind of like digging and trying to figure out oh who's doing what and this and that and i was like you know what really for me it was just i'm not going to get anywhere unless i know what magic is or <laughs> learn how to do it you know, finding mm -hmm. out who started what order where and who's manipulating me isn't really going to help me do anything. Like, okay. you know what I'm saying? Okay. So in my mind, I was like, I want to get into this stuff so I can see how to use it for my own, like, just to stay out of the bullshit, stay out of the matrix, be able to kind of control my own life. You know, okay. it, was, it was never to, like, thinking I was going to be, like, some badass dude putting curses on people. <laughs> it was actually never that. And unfortunately, <laughs> when I started getting into it enough to where uh, I started getting like, I guess like books and, and stuff. I did use some of Crowley's uh, stuff. I really didn't understand it too well. I mean, guys, and I call genius anyway. So that's why I, for me, I just couldn't understand any of it really then. 
Um, but there was other ceremonial stuff that I was more interested in that would still point back to him. And, uh, you know, I never thought rich witchcraft was going to be my thing. I wanted more of like a ceremonial magic, a type of thing where like there was like, uh, like with the Golden Dawn and the, and the, the OTO, they have like books that basically, you know, this has proven to work. We'll go by this. I didn't want something where I could just be like, oh, I'm going to throw lavender over my shoulder and I just did a you know, magic trick. You know what? Author Justin Williams believes the first step of understanding who we will become comes at the death of who we were. In the heartfelt memoir, In the Eye of the Father, available on Amazon, author Justin Williams discusses how he became a man of faith. The faith discussed is the faith to preserve, faith in humanity, and above all, faith in his understanding of becoming the embodiment of destiny. Against a backdrop of trials and tribulations, near-death experiences, and rebirth, author Justin Williams offers a gripping commentary of how the pressures of the unrelenting struggle to achieve his dreams against all odds fostered the compassionate capacity for inner growth and spiritual understanding. This is a powerful journey into the untamed heart of modern society, embracing the lofty hope of the possibility of ascendance beyond self-limitation to lead towards a sincere grace. In the Eye of the Father is insightful, inspirational, passionate, and poetic. This riveting account of a young man coming of age explores the human condition to unabashedly answer the questions of what drives us to reach beyond ourselves in the face of adversity. This is a personal story, but one which is at its core earnestly appeals to our shared humanity. Order your copy of In the Eye of the Father from author Justin Williams on Amazon and add the author's podcast, The Hidden Gateway Podcast, to your playlist where Justin Williams explores the outer dimensions of faith, reality, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator. The Hidden Gateway Podcast, available online at The Hidden gateway.com like <laughs> i just i wasn't one of those you know let me spin around with a crystal and throw some lavender around and i just changed the world i was i wanted something that was a little bit more extra a little bit more regimented so i secret you know ceremonial stuff in secret societies was appealed to me more than like witchcraft or witch covens that i had looked i looked into that prior first too you know, I checked out, you know, okay. Wicca and stuff like that. I didn't think it was really that much for me. I will say I, I was highly Wicca influenced when I practiced in the OTO, but uh, that wasn't mm. for me. And eventually I started looking around like for legit secret societies that I knew dealt with magic, you know, specifically magic and the Golden okay. Dawn and the OTO. And uh, it actually, it was really only those two that I was kind of like um, really thinking about because I knew the Masons would be a waste unless I was stay there for years and years and years and go up like i knew that wasn't happening right away okay okay and uh there was nothing around me except an oto lodge so i kind of just bit the bullet and uh went with that. <laughs> i was like i guess i don't have many options and i'll totally admit it when i went there i was never once a big crowley fan i i believed he was an occult genius and i'm sure you know i believe then that he did you know he knew what he was doing and did tell you stuff um, but I was not somebody who put him up on a pedestal and thought that he was somebody to aspire to, you know? <laughs> so like, even when I had joined, I was never much like the rest of the people there. Um, I, a lot of stuff that I practiced and read wasn't written by Crowley. Um, I'd say probably about like 60 or 70% probably wasn't, you know, like he was very, I really didn't go too, too crazy on his stuff. Okay. Yeah. It just, uh, and, uh, 
which is what I'm getting at is that like, I never even felt at home. I thought I was going to, this was going to be a permanent place anyway. So that just made it easier for why I left when we get into that. But, um, how, how long were you in? How many years? Uh, I actually, uh, I'll say five. I don't want to really get too technical because then people can start playing around and figuring out who I am. After. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. How about you Lux? Was your, was your path, uh, to Golden Dawn similar or, or did you go like a different route? It's funny, man, because when we talk about this stuff, there are definite parallels between NY's story and mine. And the more that we've started the occult rejects, I started to, you know, interview and talk to other people who tell a very similar story to ours too. It's it's kind of uh, like maybe a, a synchronicity or something, but it seems like a lot of these people who have the same type of personality they tend to gravitate towards this stuff um but i i had grown up in the church right so i was a very That's right. christian growing up my, my whole family was and uh there were positives about that and there were negatives about that but uh because i'm a curious bastard i would look through the <laughs> bible and stuff like that and i would see that there were these weird things in the bible right they're talking about the matrix they're talking about uh, the Melchizedeks and, and the Essenes and all these yeah. and I would go to my pastor and stuff at that time and I had asked him about it he more or less told me and I was a kid at this time he told me just don't worry about it you know everything's in God's plan well that was not enough for me uh, it wasn't that I didn't believe in God but I just believed that maybe the, the Bible had a deeper uh, message or meaning so I, I kept kind of going on through uh, that experience. And then once I turned uh, like 17, 18, um, I ended up going on this crazy mission trip with this guy uh, who we like went overseas and he was uh, sitting there with me one day and he said, well, you know, the stuff that's described in Ezekiel, they're talking about UFOs. Yes, Ezekiel's will. That blew my mind so hard at that one particular moment. I was never the same, dude. And it was like, okay, this guy is confirming some of the things that I had maybe thought while reading some of these texts. And so years went by, and I got into the conspiracy stuff. And similar to NY, after reading about the, the conspiracies and, and what's going on, and I hate even using that term now because conspiracy isn't even a legitimate – it's not a legitimate term. Uh, these are just facts that right. are now being proven exactly. uh, with time. And so I wanted a way, because I knew that these guys at the very top, they were in secret societies, um, people who were controlling the economy, the government. I wanted a way to be able to protect myself in a defensive way against okay. these groups, these people. But I also wanted to be able to help out, right? Because... That was uh, my one condition before going in the Golden Dawn is that I did not want to join a secret society that was involved in telemic magic, Crowleyan magic. Um, and again, not to say that that's necessarily bad as a whole, but that was like my one condition. Um, and so I, I get into that secret society and the whole reason behind it was to have some type of defense to, to make sure that the things that were going on by these dark magicians uh, couldn't affect me and that I could possibly help out my friends and family um, by doing some type of defense. 
and um, trying to use magic for the good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, question. Uh, you mentioned the Crowley magic and you mentioned another one. I heard NY mentioned it as well. Are those forms of magic considered like dark arts, like the dark side? And is there, you know, I've, I've heard of like white and dark magic. Is is that like dark magic? And then what you wanted to do or maybe what you were involved in, was that like white magic then or? Uh, I think anything. I mean, I, if NY wants to touch on the philemic stuff first, that probably would be good. I can cover the second half of that question if you want. Yeah, when it comes to philemic magic, believe it or not, on Crowley's own stuff, I really do think his shit is really more of like legit purpose of like crossing the abyss. Like that's exactly Whoa. what his all his rituals are for. You need that adding like the star ruby. I think is actually more of like you better know that motherfucker when you come back. Because that's going to help you balance out, you know, shit like that. Um, hmm. You know, it, the thing that this is, I mean, this goes along with one of the reasons why I even left the OTO. When it comes down to these places, they will hand you the tools, but like as a double-edged sword. And they'll be like, you know, handing it with you to the blade. You know, if you were to grab it by the blade, they will show you things. But then like, it, it, there is a dark image to the OTO and it's, you know, over-sexualized and dark and, you know, has a demonic or, you know, however you want to put it side to it. And I think that's there for the people to latch onto that instead of the actual still truth. I really believe inside these, that organization, they are fooling their own members. Yeah. Which, which obviously probably had a huge part in regards to why you left, yes? Oh, yes. Once I yeah. started having my own experiences, I started to realize this is not a place to... This this place does not uh, help you get to where... <laughs> I don't know how to say it. It's not a place to promote where I was going. Like, it's just, yeah, it just was at the total opposite. I just did not see... I, you know, I wasn't even going that often anymore. I'll tell you the truth. I was kind of doing my own thing. And um, when I started having these experiences, I just realized, like, this place does not really head you in the right direction to have the experience I just had. If anything, I think it's putting you backwards. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was like, this makes no sense. Actually like this, this, the only thing I can see it making sense is that they want people to still not know that are in it. Damn. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> you can answer the second part of that question in New York. I want to hear about some of those experiences in a minute as well, man. Uh, but yeah, that's the whole reason why I decided to focus strictly on the Golden Dawn. Uh, before even applying to a secret society, I had gone um, on sort of like the six-month year stint of where I was researching different societies in order to find the right one. And I had seen these uh, rumors and even texts that were sort of released by the OTO, um, uh, maybe even accidentally, they didn't want this information to get out. So that's why I didn't want to go to the OTO, um, because there was so much of this rumor of like sex magic and stuff. And it was not mm. something that I was interested in. But, um, you know, decided to go with sort of a more um, like a, like an academic approach. At least that's the way that the Golden Dawn promotes themselves. It's not even like necessarily a secret society the way that they talk about it. It's like a, a collegiate experience. Like you going to school for magic. Uh, but then I would see them, the longer I was in, they, they were definitely tied to um, other orders. But it was sort of like you go into these. It doesn't matter if you're in the Masons, Shriners, Jesters. It's all a vetting process. 
um, when you join these secret societies to see what your intentions are. And then they promote you or they keep you at a certain level. Um, but I didn't know that at, at the time. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, that that was the whole reason, just sort of like a defense. The reason why I joined was defense against uh, all the stuff. And I just had no idea how interconnected all these societies were when I was applying. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Question for you. What is the difference between magic or the occult and even mysticism and spirituality? Are they all... <sighs> Are they all like on the same length of wave wave line, or or is there a, a you know specific difference between between the, the three or four of those? Well, for me, the the one thing that I would say about magic, um, and we do try to talk about this a lot on our podcast, and and something that I think is very very important important to point out is that magic is many many things. Um, one. It's the deep understanding of the human psychology. Two, uh, magic is sort of this uh, hidden um, principle of the universe, right? It's, it's no different, and I use this comparison a lot, uh, it's no different than electricity. 300 years ago, we didn't know about electricity, right? Mm -hmm. We had no idea that you could power a light bulb with electricity. And in the same way that, th that this is something hidden it's the same way that magic is so a lot of them are all those things that you just said are interconnected but um some in more tight uh ties and some in more loose associations i guess you could say mysticism when you certain like terms like that you know it's it's all kind of connected right right like when i think of magic it, to me it seems to be uh control over the physical or spiritual world right and then when i think of uh mysticism I, I, for whatever reason, I think that's more so um, evolution of the soul, you know, just based off of my experiences um, and, and what I've read. And that's just kind of what hit home, hit home, what hit home with me, you know. Um, so I just always wonder it, you know, are they the same? They seem to, you seem to kind of access similar powers there, but it was just kind of, you know, wondering if they are the same, but it, you know, like you said, they, they, they do seem to be kind of interlocked with each other. Now, um, NY, you you kind of touched on some of those experiences that you had, man. Um, you know, when you were in OTO, can you get into some of the things that you experienced, and you know that that led you to to, to leave that organization, that society? Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I can I'll tell one. Yeah, I mean, sure, <coughs> I'll tell a story. I think I've even said. I think uh, Lux actually uh, enjoyed this one once and actually pointed something out about it too that he thought was just weird even the symbolism within my own experience um there were uh i'll, I'll set the mood i'll set the scene <laughs> it's, it's, there you go. <laughs> it's friday night uh for venus hathor she was she was one of she was one of my main girls when i uh was practicing i used hathor isis and toth and, and god a lot and, uh, and sometimes archangels, you know, uh, wow. I would deal with that. And, uh, so it was Friday night and I, I almost, I think at one point I had it to where I was doing something at least Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at least, you know, and that, that matched up with, uh, ISIS for, uh, for Monday. And then again for, uh, Sunday. 
And then uh, I had a Hathor for Friday and Tooth for Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Hathor is so it's Friday night. Uh, I got the altar set up. Um, I got a fucking green light bulb in my fucking living room to go along with the color of the fucking sphere on the tree and everything. Uh, <laughs> I got the fucking incense going. I got a statue up there. I do uh, my lesser banishing ritual, ritual of the pentagram, which is to clear like all earthly energies, uh, whatever. It's basically to clear any influences from my circle, and then I cleanse it. Um, you know, and in between this, you know, I, I, at the beginning, I might call upon God and be like, you know, just please watch over me during this shit. You know, this stuff is serious. Right, right. You know, I always called upon God prior. Uh, then I would state my intention. Why am I doing this? I might just be doing this because I want to thank Hathor for helping me uh, through my magical, uh, you know, experience. Um, sometimes that's all I would do is just invoke her and say thank you and just maybe give her a prayer and some offerings and that was it but it was I did something on those days no matter what if I was just saying thank you um, I think this time I might have just been actually asking to like know more of uh, of God and stuff like that with with that sphere that is on that tree like to know like the love of God I guess really because it's kind of associated with that sphere a little bit hmm. um, you know love with uh with Hathor you can kind of uh, instead of like more of like a sexual uh more of lust I kind of liked Hathor as well because she was a little bit more to me a little bit more conservative of a looking goddess she wasn't very <laughs> no I'm se being serious I mean if you really think about it the Egyptian gods except for their stories what are fucking crazy you know brothers screwing mm -hmm. this one and that one and the sisters and you know mother whatever all sorts of crazy sexual stories but when they're picturalized when you see them they look very conservative they're not over sexualized so i just figured that they were kind of a very down the road like uh pantheon to use you know okay so that's why i stayed to e egyptian ones so hathor wasn't like much of like i'm invoking lust it was more of love and uh so I, I I do all my things. I do the um, lesser ritual of the hexagram to clear out all planetary influences. Now, I remove all of that. Uh, then I specifically now invoke the uh, sphere of Venus or Bina. I will do the greater invoking ritual of the hexagram. I'll draw the hexagram the four different directions, invoking that sphere. And then, if I wanted to, if I wanted to try to figure out, they do suggest like know where that that planet is in the sky and draw the hexagram there and invoke it even, you know, above you. Uh, I did that. I called her in, you know, did all that stuff, did whatever I would do. Uh, sometimes it was just off the cuff. A lot of stuff I really did. I might've had like kind of a formula, but it was a lot of it for me. was just very much, uh, I was really just being authentic and just winging it and just trying to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't so much for trying to like, regiment myself to that degree i wanted some actual real expression in there not everything being robotic um so i left you know i would do whatever i did and then um you know i there's the middle pillar which i'm sure lux has used that is more of a golden dawn type ritual or i mean i really would it's, it's it's i wouldn't consider it so much a ritual it's more of a meditation thing where you start going down five different spheres of your body and you picture like the like the energy kind of spiraling like this way and then going that way and then down yourself. It's like a big visual thing. And like, it's like kind of like hitting chakras, a meditation that I would do with my eyes closed. Um, I, I would sometimes do that as a way of like, all right, I've pulled in this energy into my circle. Now I'm going to draw it down into me. That was a way of me actually trying to draw the energy into me. So that's yeah, how I okay. was using it. 
Um, so I was doing that and I was going down, you know, I was doing that a bunch of times and, you know, just doing the whole thing. And I was just trying this time. I was just trying like really hard. I was like really trying to focus. And I was like, I, I don't know what it was, but like it came like it was going down. I was hitting like it went from like the second sphere and like shot down to the first. And then like it's like those fucking games that you see in the arcade when you hit the, the thing and you ring the bell. You know, it was like that. It was like it shot right back up. Poof. Somewhere else. I stepped what? into an HD TV. I was not in my fucking living room anymore. What? <laughs> Yo, that shit blew my mind, and, and I was not even in my body. I was just—I'm like the fucking Matrix. I can like move around and shit like that, and just view stuff. Like you're just viewing; you're not actually in it. Like I was like able to do that oh, yeah. in like the scene that I was in, and where I was, it was like I was telling myself I'm in a pyramid because I—it was like a big triangled room, but it had a floor, but like the wall was gone. And I could see outside from in there. And it looked like all this, like, you know, like, like the inside the pyramids and stuff, but all this desert. So that's like really making wow, me think dude. I'm in a fucking pyramid. And it was like gold, but it was like, th there was definition that I honestly, in these experiences that I've had that I've never seen here, I don't even know how to explain mm -hmm. it. It's almost like weird to sometimes it's almost like claymation, like, or it's just very like grainy or just looks different. It's not mm -hmm. the same way I see here. Um, so it just kind of yeah, even had amazing. more of a vibrant, raw look. I don't know how to explain it. And uh, I remember being able to, like, turn around. And, like, at one point, I was thinking, and, you know, and I, I wonder if this is what fucked it up, actually. Is at one point, I asked myself, who am I? And, like, what do I look like? Can I look at myself? <laughs> and then, like, I so because <laughs> the thing is, you know, if you start looking at experiences on the tree, you know, a chokma is coming face to face with God. I, I think once if like if, if my opinion, that story is even telling you, you see your reflection and you kind of turn away from it. And now you come into existence. So it almost matched like my experience. So like I kind of turn around, I look and I see like this Egyptian goddess standing there. But it, to me, I did not think it was Hathor, even though that's who I was messing with. That is not even who I envisioned. Like I wasn't thinking as I'm looking at this person, the thing her or it or whatever it was i didn't it wasn't as if like how i depicted her so i was even thinking like who is this you know but like it wasn't scary it was just to me it was believe it or not it was still a mind-blowing beautiful experience it just ended with me like just being like well what the fuck was that wow because man. like kind of like once i like turned around and was like kind of seeing something and i'm like you know, like, cause I wanted to see me and I see this and it just fucking just was just weird. And again, it was like very, the detail was very different. Damn, and, man. uh, I think maybe just fear kicked in and I fucking snapped out of it. All right, 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 right. Yeah. That is wild, man. That is why any idea where you may have went, I mean, you said you were in a pyramid. You think you could have were actually in Egypt somewhere. You said you saw the desert. Maybe did you go back in time or you think you were like in a whole <sighs> different dimension? I've, I've wondered the dimension in the back in time because my experience, like with other things that has happened, I do think when it comes to magic, in a sense, you are doing that. I mean, you're going back into the point to where your soul existed before it entered the flesh, in my opinion. That's technically kind of going back in existence or in time, in my, yeah. my opinion. 
Uh, I do think that's part of like when it kind of like untethering yourself from astral projecting and actually going somewhere, not here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like more of, of what, you know, magic is. And like, you start going back in time. I think gotcha. maybe I was kind of experiencing stuff like that at that point. Man, that is wild, brother. Wow. How about you, Lux? I know you have a story or two for me, man. What What is, what are some of, uh, the more interesting or wild experiences that you had doing magic, my friend? Well, um, so uh, first of all, growing up, I had always kind of had these weird experiences with, uh, like, I guess you could say just generally the term of uh, paranormal. Um, I have a, a member of my family who has extremely crazy um, experiences that have happened in their house for over, I guess it's two decades now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was sort of common knowledge in my family is is that the, the paranormal wasn't necessarily this fantasy thing, that it was absolutely real. Um, and I had kind of always taken that with me and, and had had weird experiences uh, even before going into the Golden Dawn about paranormal. But when I was going into the golden dawn, uh, you know, of, of course, before you, before you go in, you have to practice certain rituals for up to a year before you go in. Um, and then they, they like vet you and they ask you about the rituals that you've done because they provide you with all the rituals and you're supposed to practice this um, every day for a year before they'll even do some type of initiation for you. And, uh, they gave me the warning. They said, well, look, when you do these rituals, you're going to start to see things that other people don't. Hmm. Um, and to be totally honest with you, bro, I thought that was total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. All right. I'm but doing it for such a long time, um, I was, I, I did. And I really, in retrospect, I don't think that that was something that they planted into my mind that sort of like I manifested just like because they planted that thought that now I'm seeing it because they planted that thought. These things would happen at very random, weird times. Um, I'm talking at restaurants at home, just doing my daily life at work. I would, um, after doing these rituals for about a year, I would see things out of the corner of my eye. Um, and uh, I remember a couple instances of one in particular where I was watching TV with my girlfriend at the time, and I saw a snake that crawled out from underneath of the TV stand. And what? Yeah, man. And um, it was very real, but also felt it's so hard to explain. Uh, if anyone has done uh, psychedelics or, or something like that, it felt like that. Okay. It was, it was like it was real, but it was also not real. Um, it's bizarre, but so things like that would happen uh, more and more the longer that I practiced these types of rituals. And uh, after eventually getting initiated, they talk about like again another heads up that they give you is that after initiation, you're going to start to experience a lot of things that you never have. And um, that certainly, certainly happened for me, at least. Um, again, I was doubtful about those claims, but it, it definitely came true. The day after initiation, I felt way, way different um, than I did before. And it was this, uh, 
I don't know, man. It's hard to explain. It's like you're able to process information faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean that. I don't. I really don't mean that in like any condescending way or like, oh, I now have a superpower. No, I, I'm not talking about that bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, we're all the same. We're all in this together. But it was like a, a weird heightened sense of being able to. I don't know, like to to remember things to learn about new information and retain it over long periods of time. Right. And, um, I remember that, you know, the same way that like NY crossed the abyss when he talks about those types of things, um, I have a kind of similar, definitely way different experiences, but similar in the way that it was, it was this sort of meditative state where I, I suddenly popped into a different, reality I, I remember walking down this long corridor where it was totally black and so okay while i'm doing this i'm at the golden dawn um like sort of like their monthly meeting where we're all doing this astral projection we're doing this travel together uh, um, combined meditative states and i'm sitting there and uh i see myself walking down this black hallway and everything is this most dark and beautiful like reflective black onyx hallway that you've ever seen it's so hard to explain hmm. it felt there's like a scene in harry potter where they kind of uh do that and, like i fucking hate to even use that comparison but like, <laughs> they, dude, like in one of the movies they they have it and when i saw that movie i was like holy shit that was really similar to my experience but it was this long dark black hallway which is beautiful onyx and everything was super reflective and i remember um multiple times going up to the door and trying to turn the handle on the door and the first couple times i couldn't and eventually i could and the moment that i did i was in a very different place and the only way that i can even explain that it was very short-lived it was not a long period of time but it was it was obviously very long ago and I, I, I don't know. It's hard to just, but there was like this river and this lady and um, she was saying things to me and, and I still, even to this day, I don't remember even what she said, but I remember feeling after coming out of that meditative state, I felt very enlightened or uh, very calm. But I remember talking to this lady across this uh, river and there was green grass. It felt like a very long time ago. And then um, I, again, I don't. I don't even know how long that happened. I, I don't know how long I was there for, or whatever. And then suddenly, in the Golden Dawn area, like someone in the room had made a sound, and mm-hmm. it immediately popped me back out. Yeah, I was totally back to this real our reality here right now, and just it, it felt like I had just gotten uh, like transported from one place to another instantly. And that was very, very bizarre. Damn, damn, damn. That is crazy, man. I want to ask you guys something. Have you guys ever experienced hearing noises during your rituals or or meditations? And I ask this because, as you guys know, I, I meditate and I do the gateway meditation, amongst other things. And... I would say over the last three to four weeks, in fact, I meant to, uh, I forgot to mention this when I, when I chatted with you guys last time on your show, but for the last three or four weeks or so during meditation, once I get deep, maybe about 15, 20 minutes in, 
I hear these footsteps, right? But it's they're they're not footsteps. They're like uh, like feet are marching, and then then also I hear like this tribal drum, you know. And you know, I, sometimes I first I thought I was tripping or something, but I'm like, no, I'm I'm hearing this is legit, right? And then the weirdest thing happened, man. I love it. And, and and the weirdest thing happened. I was meditating one night, and then I you know I do it in my closet. I have this little uh, this uh, sacred space, you know, they have an altar set up. The weirdest thing happened. I did it one night. I came out, and then my wife goes, "She's like, did you hear that?" I'm like, "What?" She's like, "It was like tribal drums beating, dude." I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Yes, I did. I, I've been here." And then I told her, "I've been hearing that for a few weeks now, you know." And it's just, man, it, it's I've never and I've had some pretty crazy experiences doing gateway and during meditation, but that was a new one for me, man. If either one of you experienced anything like that, close to it, very close to it. That's why I was laughing. So I was like, holy shit. Because like, I think I've even mentioned this and like I, nobody else has ever uh, that I've spoken to ever said anything about it or close to it. Um, I always it, very close to the same thing. Um, Pink Floyd, I think, believe it or not, I think they use their fucking airplane sounds a lot, especially on the wall for the same fucking mm. thing you're talking about. It would sound as a beating at first. And then all of the sound would get really loud and start to sound like almost like a flapping in the breeze. Like it would get like really crazy, like almost like an airplane, like fucking wings spinning in the wind or something like that. I would hear that a lot before in my experience. Once I went wherever I went, I would hear that and then go completely deaf, actually. Wow. The sound would completely go away. And then that's when I blasted off. And I've never, I, from my experience that I can remember, I've never heard anything once I've gone wherever I've gone. It's going to be like complete silence. And I'm just like a, a part of the fabric and there's no sound. Mm -hmm. Damn. That is, that's crazy. And another thing I've been experiencing lately too, I've experienced two, maybe three times where actually I saw spirits, right? So I was doing gateway, I'm laying on my back in my closet. And then I, and my eyes are shut. I see these freaking that's, I, I believe they had to be spirits, man. And or is, is look, they look like almost like a, I don't even know how to describe it, man. Like, like kind of like a bunch of smoke just doing this motion, I guess. I don't know, man. But uh, and my eyes were closed and I saw this and then I opened my eyes and it was still there. And I started to freak out, right? I'd never seen anything like this before. I started to freak out. But then I said, no, don't, don't, don't let fear, don't let fear control you. You know, I was telling myself this. I said, I can control this fear. So I calm myself down and then I just, I just observed, man. I, I observed and they were, it was like a ton of them, man, just everywhere. I, I didn't feel any type of, you know, negative energy or anything like that because like you and why I, I definitely, uh, you know, stay, stay in the light. I, I, I you know, talk to God. Um, I think I may have told you guys I developed this relationship with uh, Archangel Metatron as well over the yes, last. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, year, year gangster, and a half. Man. You know, because I started doing all this stuff, man. Um, twenty twenty, late twenty twenty, right? You know, got involved with crystals and have my um, Metatron's cube around my neck that I wear. I got it hanging in my sacred place. I got my crystal grids. I burn the incense. I do the yeah. sage and uh, was it Santo Paulo? Paulo Santo. Oh, I love, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's good, man. Halo Santo, yeah, that stuff's good. Yeah, yeah, man. So I mean, I, I don't know if I'm doing rituals or what, man. But I mean, shit has been life changing, man. 
you know, it, it really has. So I just, I wanted to know if you guys had ever experienced anything, but that, uh, man, those, that marching, it's like this marching just here. It feels, sounds like it's like a hundred, 200 people just marching, man. And then those, those tribal drums come in and I'm like, man, what the heck is going you know, on? You know, it's funny. You know, what I'm thinking about actually is as you're saying that I'm picturing the wall when they're marching and then they have the fucking airplanes going. Same Damn. fucking thing too. Dang, man. That's insane. That's insane. Hey, hey, Lux, are you familiar with shamanism? Uh, a bit, yeah. A bit. Does that, how do you, how do you feel that occultism is related to shamanism in any way? Uh, I definitely think so. And I think that um, uh, when you look at things like hallucinogenics, which can be used traditionally in shamanism, especially ayahuasca, you know, DMT, Mm-hmm. Things like that, right? Uh, a lot of people have these very interesting shared experiences where people who are told who don't know each other, they can all sort of take this this medicine, right? And then they sort of have this shared experience. Um, and uh, it's weird that you mentioned the the drums and the marching because that's something that people who I, and I've never taken ayahuasca. But I definitely take my fair share of LSD. <laughs> but like uh, that's something that they report over and over again is this marching sound or rhythmic tribal drums. Yes, yes. You know, I never thought to tie that into my ayahuasca experience I had last year either. That's interesting, man. Because um, during that those three nights that experience uh the shaman and his crew they they perform for us throughout the night um you know we we got there to the ceremony grounds at like seven ceremony didn't start till like midnight we were there till about seven eight in the morning but throughout that experience man each night they played the most beautiful music i have ever heard in my life man Mm. it was just amazing they were so talented and just to be under the influence of the ayahuasca and hearing that music, it was almost as if the music was, it was, it was, it was speaking to me, man. And it told a story, which was insane, man. Mm-hmm. It like told a story of, and then the story was a story of victory. It was a story of challenges, uh, pain, um, but victory, you know, it was just, it was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Yeah, and for me, like, especially when I've been on hallucinogenics, I, I think that when you take them, certain ones in a responsible way, uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, separating those experiences. When, you, when you're going into something and you, you have an intent that, uh, that you want to, you know, sort of get out the gook or the messiness inside, and you're taking hallucinogenics for that, uh, that has um, deep meaning for someone. It really can change someone's entire life. Um, so I'm separating that experience from, you know, someone who might just take hallucinogenics for whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. going to a party or something. Those two experiences are um, are very different. And I, I, to me, I think that when you go to, and of course, depending on the person, but to me, I think that hallucinogenics are, it's almost like a hack in the matrix, or it's almost like mm-hmm. a hack into your mind because the very first time that I ever I took them, um, I mean that was a, a life changing experience. It was probably the only reason that I might have uh, researched the things that I did afterwards because it, it that experience for me made me um, look into myself and realize 
the things that I didn't like. And it, it was a fearful experience. It was terrifying, right? Because I was in my own head. There's no escape. You can't just stop taking the mushrooms. Uh, you know, it's going, it's going to, you're going to have to ride it out. Um, and for me, when I experienced that, it was me confronting my ego, things I didn't like about myself. And there was no escape and there was overwhelming fear, but that fear was quickly subsided by this sense of I've done this before. Wow. Uh, there's like, there's like this remembrance. It's almost like this calm after the storm where mm. you realize that you, that we're all in this in some weird way together. And we've, we've done this before and uh, that everything's going to be okay. And so fear is the most silly bullshit thing that you could possibly cling to. Well said. Fear, fear means nothing. And the only, the only thing that's truly important is overcoming that fear. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Man, I could not agree more, brother. Absolutely. And, and interesting that you said that we're all in this together. And you mentioned something along the lines of like, you kind of been here before. It made me think of what NY said in NY, correct me if I'm wrong, but a few minutes ago, you said something about, um, when you're talking about your experience with the pyramid, something about along the same lines, like you've been here before. No, you said something in regards to the soul of the spirit, having been around before coming into to this body, right? Yes, I think yes. you said something along those lines. And it's, it's crazy that you say that, man, because that is actually something that I have been thinking of back and forth for around the last six to eight months, thinking it, it's kind of came to me, right? Like my spirit or my soul has been here forever, right? Forever, because I'm a part of the greater consciousness, right? And now at this time, I'm in this point in time, I'm in this body. So you, you kind of think along those yes. same lines, huh? Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, I think, you know, <clears throat> I'll use my whole, you know, real quick, my whole spaghetti strainer uh, thing, my example that Lux has heard a hundred times and probably sick of hearing. Uh, if you have a light bulb hanging from the ceiling, I say you throw like a spaghetti strainer kind of like on top of it. And now that light is being split up and shot onto the floor, a whole bunch of different little, little pins now, you know, little mm -hmm. dots, you know, like Crowley says, every man and woman is a star. I believe that we are all those little points being separated from the source. Mm -hmm. When you start to have your experiences, you're just going back up the light towards the one that we all came mm -hmm. from anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, I need to, I want to read more, learn more about Crowley, man. Just the very little I know about him, it's always been shed in a negative light, you know, but I know you said early on in the beginning of this chat that he was a genius, right? I think so. I think it's even the way he pulled it off. I mean, the, he almost has like his own pantheon, kind of like his own style, <laughs> like his own characters within the OTO that are you know, used oftenly or always like associated with the OTO, regardless if they were actually Egyptian gods already prior. You know, a lot of people think they're just Philemic, you know, like Crowley made them up, like Nui existed before he mentioned her name. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think I think he was a genius. And I, in my opinion, one of the, I, I even think he points out possibly that he even believed in the dome, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, he, he pointed out that the stele of Revelation, which is like some like the stele of, of, of Kaf Nakansu, it is like a real Egyptian artifact. It was in some, you know, supposedly in some museum 
exhibit number 666. His wife at the time or that he was with or the chick that he was with at the time said, oh, that's Horace, even though she had no idea about any of his stuff or into his shit. And he's like, how do you know that? And blah, 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 blah. So, like, this thing was like the stellar revelation, and it shows Horace off Kafna Kansu, it shows Hadith, and then supposedly this chick that stretches across the top, goes like that, all the way down, that actually has everything locked inside as if that's a dome, really, is mm-hmm. Nuit. And, I, and he says that he thinks that that thing shows the secrets of all secrets and the mystery of all mysteries. He says he thinks that that you know, thing shows everything. And then I think it does. I think, you know, the way Hadith is represented is the, um, you know, the spirit rising, um, going through Nuit eventually, the thing in there that he has spinning, I think is kind of like, you know, picking, you know, fucking colors or shooting back up wherever you're pinpointing you want to go. You know, like I do think that thing is deeply occulted and I think Nuit is kind of, uh, I think showing why we call it hermeticism. Yeah, I mean, it's a sealed engine. Hermetic, you know, that is the dome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, okay, interesting. One other question, man, and then we're going to move to some, some different topics here, man. Uh, I was introduced to a book maybe about two two years ago uh, called The uh, was it the Lesser and Greater Keys of Solomon. Are you, I haven't read it yet. Are you guys familiar? It sounds like you are familiar with it. Huh? Yeah. That's a deep one, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I haven't read it yet. I have it. I have it. Uh, I have like the file stored on my computer, man. I just, you know, yeah. I know it's deep. I don't know why I haven't gotten to it, but probably just not time for me to get into it. But uh, wh- what do you know about it, Lux? Uh, so the greater and lesser keys were a magical system that Solomon had uh, used in order to, you know, it depends on how you kind of want to look at it. Um, uh, to build this temple. A lot of people would say it was a physical temple. Uh, in my opinion, I think that it's probably, it could be both, but it's definitely more reflecting of an inner temple, building the inner temple inside of yourself. Um, but he used these sigils and these signs and talismans in order to kind of crack the code. And he used hmm. this uh, system where he more or less in that temple uh, recreated the Kabbalistic tree of life and it gets very mathematic and it it gets very, um, you know, into sacred geometry. It's, it's a beautiful, Mm. beautiful thing uh, when you read these, these texts. Um, But essentially, yeah, he was, but, and it does have a bit of a dark side as well because he was using these symbols to summon demons. Yeah. Right. He was using them to move bricks around (laughs) to build the temple. Damn. So uh, it does get crazy, man. But it's it's uh it's uh it's worth a read if if you can take the time and sit down and uh, you know, kind of read it because it's definitely not an easy read for sure. Yeah, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually get into it. Maybe when things if things slow down for me a bit, I'll, I'll get into it. Yeah, All right, man. Hey, so I wanna I wanna kind of dive into some of the the world events going on these days and uh, kind of get you guys thoughts on this, you know, being that we've been talking about magic and uh, obviously you have, uh, you know, the situation in Ukraine with Russia. Um, you, you got the Hollywood elites that uh, had this episode at the Oscars on Sunday night with the slap that was seen and heard around the world. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about Shriners as well. I know you guys have a series on Shriners. You know, I want to, I want to get some thoughts, thoughts on that too. But uh, now in regards to um, magic and, and, and the elite, uh, are you guys of the, I think I already, man, I'm pretty sure I already know the question, the answer to this question, but uh, give me your thoughts on the elites, the people that run the world, that truly run the world uh, in their involvement in magic. I think they all are involved or understanding of what magic is. Yes. And use it. Uh -huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, sometimes that comes down to just, that's how they're able to be so good at what they do. Like as an actor, like even though regardless of people don't like them, maybe they actually do pull off their being a good character or what they're doing. Um, that my opinion, that's all that could all could be part of it. I mean, having the using magic to actually have, the creativity and the constant energy just to keep on perfecting what you do. You mm -hmm. know? So I can mm -hmm. see like, you know, just even to that little bit of an aspect, I see magic plays used a lot. And this has been going on for damn near forever with, with people that run the world. Right. I mean, probably going back thousands of years, man. I think I at some think. point this shit, at some point the stuff I think was known and something changed, something happened and, People of the knowing started bullshitting people who didn't know, mm -hmm. and it just ended up turning into that, yeah. you know, to where we are now. <laughs> you know, or people believing lies got us to where mean, we can, are now. Can you imagine if half of the population, well, not say half, because the elite are not half the population. This is like 1%, right? right. And 1% of the world's population are these quote-unquote elite. Uh, but just imagine if that was translated into electricity what if only one percent of our entire population knew about electricity and the rest mm. of us were living in darkness mm. they are able to use these systems to manipulate the public because they have a greater um knowledge about these hidden systems that they're keeping from the public on purpose mm. and that gives them the upper hand because Again, magic is a lot of things, um, a lot of different terms um, and meanings, but really one of those most important ones is the deep understanding of the human psyche. So if they can understand how to manipulate the human psyche, they can manipulate the entire public. And I, To me, I think they're using that application of magic as the, one of the most effective ways to guide um, our future, really. Now, would you would you say that there's been a shift over the last, I don't know, year and a half, two years where people are, are waking up? This is my belief, where people are waking up and uh, becoming aware of, of what's going on with, with the BS that the elite have been doing that 1%. And maybe there's a percentage of the population that may be getting into magic themselves and using it uh, for a good purpose, right? If they're using it for the bad and being of the of, of the opinion that the the light always outshines the dark, is there a chance that if there are enough people around the world to get involved in magic and to use it for the the light or the right purposes, that there is an opportunity there for us to change things? So what do you think about that? Oh yeah, they'd have no chance. I really mm -hmm. do believe that. I, I think if even if people understood what actual magic is, like let's say if like literally a it, it is part of like your soul separating from your body. If somehow that came out on the TV and that was told to everybody <laughs> that people who do that are the ones controlling the world. 
just the fact of us knowing and people being like, holy fuck, that would might actually even change things because people would probably be like, now I don't quite like who knows what the fuck's real. And people would go crazy. Right. You know, I know it may not be a positive thing, but I think that would even fucking change the situation. Mm. If people actually really knew what the fuck was going on, just people knowing might actually make a change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good because point. they'd be like, Good if point. people are willing to do that. What are they willing to do to us? And that would wake people up, I think, to being manipulated at least. Yeah, right. and they want to try to make this uh, – like you can see over and over again when it comes to magic, there's such a stigma around it. The first thing that we think of when, when we talk about magic is you know Crowley or, or we think about Harry Potter or some shit. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that's not – that's not just a, a random thing that's pushed on us with this propaganda by these you know, elite people in these secret societies. That's on purpose because they don't want you to understand what real magic is. And I'll drop a bomb right here, man. I, I'll give you the, you know, people who want to really learn about this stuff. I'll, I'll tell you one of the most deepest occult secrets that they do not want you to know. They don't care if you, sh if you walk around with a fucking wand in your hand and you're throwing you know, like sage, like over your shoulder, like New York Patriots said, they don't care about that. That's not what secret societies care about. What they really care about, what they really don't want you to know is that when you combine your mind and your heart, man, the man, male and the feminine aspects of your brain, the care and intelligence, when you combine those two things together to, and then the last aspect, which makes it all real magic, is the will. So what you think and how you feel when they're in unison and you combine that with your will to manifest that into real our real world, then that's how their whole system crumbles, man. Wow. That so is, you nailed man, it, that, dude. Fuck. Oof, that really resonates, man. I was watching a video with my wife probably about a month ago and it was a guy talking about that. He's talking about the, the book of Thomas, right? And he said that is the key. He said being able to connect your thoughts in your mind with the feeling in your heart and that's how you manifest and I, if i remember correctly that's something that's talked about in the book of thomas but man that that really hits home for me it really does good stuff uh, yeah, right there crazy, man. It, it, and that is that's uh that's the shit they don't want us to know because it, that puts their system at total jeopardy because we're no longer looking for them to save us or a savior. Or we're not looking for someone to tell us what to do. Now our will and our, our own um, intuition can tell us what to do and we don't need them anymore. And that's why when you learn that real magic, it makes their shit insignificant. So that's why they want to keep things hidden. Mm -hmm. They, you know, as you guys know, they're they're damn complex with a lot of stuff going on, and and this may sound crazy, man, but you know, this is something that came to me a while ago. Uh, I don't know, sometime last year. I, it's like when I first learned about NPCs, and then you guys have heard about those. And I don't know, man. I don't think NPCs are necessarily what most people think they are, and I say this for two reasons. A few years back, I had this vision. Right, it was a dream or a vision where there were these government scientists and they were like making humans. Right. And they, they, they were all ages, man. Um, like kids, adults, and these people were born underground and they never seen the light of day. And they were in these like government for facilities, um, underground and they were being shown 
TV where people were just wicked and they were being taught, told and taught or brainwashed, if you will, to hate the people on the outside, meaning the people above ground. And this is something I'll never forget. And then a few months ago, it came to me that when I was uh, learning about NPCs is that these, there are people out here walking around that a are those people that I had the vision of and b another type of NPC where they are literally soulless or spiritless. Right. And they have been created or sent here to go along with the plan of the dark and go along with the elite and, and to be on their side and to, to, uh, you know, push certain agendas and, and all these other things. I know it's, that may sound kind of, kind of far out, you know, but that, that shit really resonates with me for some reason, man. I, I totally believe that there's like, I've, I've even said myself, I mean, I'm not talking about like, they could be underground for sure. But I've even said myself, I'm sure that like the show Stranger Things really isn't that strange. Like, I'm sure there are kids and there are people where they're like in places where they are literally just being used because may, maybe they've, you know, are useful for occult and magical, you know, manipulation that they you know, might even have things making them look at shit, have stuff on their head, reading stuff, whatever. I do believe shit like that is going on. You know, like MK Ultra shit like that. I do believe that that. 100% is going on. Definitely. Oh, and you can even see it when uh, the CIA documents about the finders. Mm. Something that a lot of people haven't heard about, and it's it's hard to find information, so I totally understand about it, but the finders, uh, please Google it. Research this as much as you can, despite our censored internet and shit. If you have to go <laughs> on a, a different uh, internet archive, um, go check it out there. But these were... Uh, declassified documents that were saying that exact situation of what you're talking about right now absolutely existed. There were this, uh, there was a group of uh, people who were traveling in a van and this was in the uh, late eighties. And um, uh, they were in this van and they had a bunch of kids and they like stopped to, I don't know, like go to, to like take a piss break or something. But there were these um, citizens who had noticed that there were, uh, weird things going on with these kids. Like they were barefoot. They seemed really unkempt. So they called the FBI. Now the FBI went to go and look at it and um, turned, it, it came, it came out that this was a cult within the CIA. Uh, and this has been totally disclosed in a congressional hearings. So, Damn. Take my word for it. Go look at go look at the reports. But it was a CIA project where they were essentially keeping kids underground, totally um, uh, unknowns to the, the regular world, and they didn't even know uh, when they were taken into custody. They did these kids didn't even know what like a pen was. Wow, like, they didn't even understand what mm. paper was. Damn. So, yeah, they were being yeah. asked stuff, and they didn't even understand what they were being asked because they were like, "I don't even know what you're like." What? What? They don't know like what things are. Wow. Are you <laughs> like you have no reference point. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you have no, you you don't know what anything is. That just totally blows my mind because I mean, I'm telling you, man, I had this vision. Like this had to be about five, six, seven years ago, man. I'm telling you, I had this vision of these people in the underground 
bunker under some type of underground building and i and obviously there were guys in there that they were scientists physicists and they were like they were raising these people they were keeping them from the the, the real world above ground and they were just showing them all this bad stuff they were pretty much brainwashing them to think the okay these people above ground are different than you they may look like you but they're different than you but they're evil and they do this and it was almost like they wanted them to go out into the world at some point and attack them and to to just cause chaos and confusion in the world because these people above ground are, are they you know they, they were justifying the reason that they wanted them to do this it was it was crazy man and for you guys to say this about the finders i've never heard of the finders yeah, at all yeah, but for you guys yeah. to tell me this 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 freaking blows my mind man yeah like, I, I think look correct correct me if i'm wrong even when they got caught i think they even had like tons of like it was unusual that they had like so much like computers and i think they had like fax machines and they had a bunch of computer equipment too i think scanners and radios on them like it wasn't like it was very like a obviously very organized like they had equipment and they were definitely communicating somehow to something wherever they were going yeah you're absolutely right about that dude when they uh looked in the van that uh, was confiscated by the fbi which is funny to me because it, this might have been like one of those rare instances where people uh in the fbi and other like they actually investigated something real <laughs> that's like now they all cover up for each other but i think this might have been one of those cases that's actually legit uh, but when they looked in the van, they found uh, wireless computers, and we're talking about the 1980s, dude. Wow! Uh, wow! This this group in the CIA was had that technology for wireless uh, computers and fax machines, like uh, NY was saying. Yeah. Man, that's crazy! Really? That yeah. is crazy. I got. I definitely got to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say, Lux? You about to say something? Man? I was. Just, I was saying that's how they uh, transport. That's the whole reason behind the, the computers and stuff at that time that they were using. They were okay. uh, coordinating how to transport these kids from one one place to another. Okay. Huh. Question for you. What is this? And, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. I'm probably just going to chop it all up. But you guys discussed the Reggio Carnival. Oh, what is that all about? <laughs> Yo, that was a great episode. What the hell is that, man? Oh, man. <laughs> that shit was fun. Um, you know, it was, I actually came from a fan of our listener of ours. Uh, uh, somebody had sent me some shit and they're like, yo, have you ever seen this? And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, I'm like seeing this big carnival parade going on and I'm like, yo, this is like very, to me, it was just crazy occult stuff. I sent it to Lux and he was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> Pretty much the same thing as me. And I was like, yo, we got to look into this. And we're like, yeah, let's just do an episode on it. Fuck it. It was interesting enough. And uh, it's it's so weird. I mean, it's a, a big carnival that's gone on like every year for a while. Uh, I think it started at World War One and then kind of ended around the midst of World War Two, and then started up again at the end and stopped for COVID and then started up again. But uh, uh, it uh, to me, it's it's all like. It might even be a huge fucking ritual for all I know. It's all a cult to me for most of it. Most of the floats and everything going down the road, it was all symbolizing like occult stuff and rich families involved. This, this done here in the States or overseas somewhere? No, this was in uh, Italy. Italy, okay, okay. Damn. <laughs> I have to yeah. look into that. That's crazy. What's wild about that, too, is that uh, something that we've come across with all of our research 
Oh, man, uh, the overwhelming amount of these secret societies that are tied to Italy. It's crazy, dude. They Ooh. all go back to Italy. I was yeah, Italy and Germany. I wanted to go further. Yeah. I was told if I wanted to go higher up in my secret society, I would eventually have to go to Italy for the, the uh, AA for my um, or the RR at AC uh, for my secret society, which have, would have to go to Italy. Um, the top guy that was sort of in the Golden Dawn, he was from Italy. And uh, yeah, if, if you look at some of the parades and stuff that were going on, uh, or the floats that were going on in that parade, they were like predictive programming about yeah. what was happening next. Yeah, I mean, they even wow. had like the corona. They had a coronavirus thing out there too. I mean, but I mean, that's already happened. But I mean, you know, they definitely were. They were like showing like even like kind of like political stuff. I think they had like one float with like I think it was like Biden riding a fucking cow and like maybe Trump had like a match, kind of like I think you know like I'm the fire starter or bullshit starter. Who fucking knows what it you know? But like that on the end of it, it was very weird. They had yeah. I, they had something where I think they even showed Helen Keller mm, well, with concentration is, camps behind her. But very interesting that you said that the if you you know the, the it, it leads back to Italy and obviously the first thing when you say that I think of is the Vatican Pope and all that shit man it makes me wonder what type of ties uh, that the Catholic Church has to uh, secret societies etc. Shit is the Catholic Church a big ass secret society in, in itself you know mm-hmm. you know you know what I thought was interesting <laughs> about about Italy now uh, Crowley had Abbey of Thelema there. And supposedly he got kicked out of Italy. And uh, so the Abbey of Thelema had to shut down and he left. Supposedly. But like my friend, uh, well, no, someone who I was associated with when I was in the OTO was also in the Astrum Argentum. They, uh, they, were in, yeah, they were in the Astrum Argentum and they were like taking like a serious grade, like where you're like really like actually a part of it and in it now. He had to fly over to Italy and take it there. So I'm like, you know, if the, you're going over there for the Astrum Argentum, and that's what like he was doing at the Abbey at Thelema, I'm like, did it really ever get stopped? You know, or is that just what we were told, like when we researched this shit? Right. You know, because like you're going back there now anyway. You know, the, I had an Astrum Argentum robe that I bought from somebody, and I mean, I bought that from somebody who lived in Spain. So I mean, it wasn't here. You know, somebody who was in the Astrum Argentum that made the robes, I contacted them and was like, yo, I want to buy a robe anyway. And they're like, fuck it, I don't care. They sent it to me. <laughs> Damn, man. Okay, okay. Let's talk a little Shriners, man. You guys obviously did the, the series on those. Um, what do you feel this society's views are? And, and why, why, what made you do a whole series on it? What can you tell me about it? I don't, I don't know shit really about the Shriners, man. I, I, you know what I don't know about the Shriners, at least what I remember about the Shriners, is being from Michigan and, and loving University of Michigan, oh. watching the Rose Bowl every every year when Michigan would play in the, the damn Rose Bowl parade. The Shriners would be out there with their these little red hats on, and they, they would be in the parade. And I think it's a, a Shriners game or something like that. I think they host like a college football all-star game. I may yeah. be getting them mixed up with someone else, but what, what's up with the Shriners? I mean, okay, so to me, um, we, when we hear about the Shriner shit, like it kind of always seems uh, as though they're the only thing that we remember them about is um, the commercials and stuff that we see. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to tell you, bro, I, I definitely didn't know it before we really researched and decided to do the series. But those guys, 
man, they're definitely way more uh, gross and sinister than they uh, they played off to be. We outlined a ton of stuff in um, in the series about how they've been caught human trafficking, about how they've been caught embezzling money, and uh, they have an, they have multiple inner orders within the Shriners because you can't even become a Shriner like you and I. We couldn't apply. We can't become Shriners. You have to be a Mason beforehand, and up until a couple of years ago, you had to be a 33rd degree Mason, right, NY? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then just now a Master Mason. You can be at the third degree, I think, now. Yep, to even get in, and uh, <clears throat> like, like we were saying, hopefully, um, I, I hope that this, at least the stuff that we did on every, uh, all the different Mason orders, can help people see how deep it really goes. But dude, NY, can you, do you want to touch on the gestures real quick? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, f f for one, I mean, when Lux brought up the whole idea of covering them, well, when he brought up the Shriners, I was like, he's like, yo, you, you know, they're in our order of the Masons. And I was like, yo, what? I was like, wait, are you serious? I was like, I've known of the Shriners for like ever. I never knew that. You know, I thought they were just some old rich dudes or something that did like silly shit in parades or whatever. You know, had a little fucking hospital and did nice things or whatever. I don't know. Right. And I was like, oh shit! And I was like, no, I didn't. So then we started looking into that, and it's just like, you know, then we started finding out about like the jesters, which is like an inner order of the Shriners that like you have to be asked. You can't apply. They have to ask you now. I mean, and those were a lot of the ones that when we covered that were like trafficking kids from New York to Kentucky and then Brazil, they had a, a guy had his own um, like kind of like fishing line thing where neither you they took you out and you went fishing for some specific type of uh, I think it was like Robin Hood bass or some shit like that. It almost looked like Quetzalcoatl. It was like a rainbow rainbow colored bass type uh, fish. Um, <laughs> they were going out fishing for that. Or sometimes they would take their yacht out, but then they got caught using underage girls to go recruit more underage girls to bring on these boats with these old dudes. You know, they got caught doing that over there. Uh, they've gotten, you know, the jesters, if even... <laughs> there, was, there was one dude I think we covered who was fucking amazing. There was these two dudes that were running for something. I think like congressman or some shit in, in Florida or some crap. I could be wrong where it was. And like one dude, I guess, was trying to like, you know, shit on his opponent to try to win. That like somehow he even found out like this guy used his campaign money to pay for the Royal Order of Jester dues. This guy is a member of the Royal Order of Jesters and actually went back to a case to try to prove like, you know, this guy might be involved with sex traffickers and pedophiles. I'll be there. <laughs> I was like, yo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that was the dude, yes, that the person was trying to discredit, which you will see in that video, Trump talking about and pointing out and making sure he said hi to at one of his Trump rallies. What? Yeah, his boy <laughs> Gus Bilarakis. on stage. Yeah. His boy Gus Bilarakis is a jester. Damn, man. And those guys are really fucking sinister. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, they're, uh, like like NY said, it's invite only. You can't apply to get into this secret society. So first you have to be a Mason, then you got to be a, um, a Shriner, and then you got to get invited to this secret society. Uh, and on our series, we even found Twitter accounts and other social media accounts with these Royal Order of the Jesters where they were posting 
like we didn't even know if we could post it on our video when we'd covered it because mm. it was like, this shit was so dark and gross and was definitely hinting at underage stuff that it uh it, it we didn't know if we could actually have it on the vid dude but these guys are bad news yeah i even pulled and, shit off a pace pacer and showed like actual real legal documentation like made pacer account mm, yeah, all yeah. lawyers they're all judges they're all policemen intelligence agency guys and um when it, you get into this order you're more or less told everything else that you've ever learned about occultism and uh you know being a mason or a shriner you need to throw that all out now what you need to, you need to throw that all out now because you are in the, the gestures now and this is um a time for you to go back to adolescence and they use a lot of these weird shakespearean references to talk about uh like shakespeare and and uh the whole yeah, world's a whole different other subject, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, like uh, the world's a play, so you can do whatever you want. So that's why they take this new mentality and do really crazy shit. Have you ever seen? You mentioned seeing Shriners before. Have you ever seen when they're dressed up as clowns? I sure have. Most of yes, those are the jesters. Most of them are the jesters. Okay. Okay. Damn. And those are all occult little outfits that they made up for themselves. All those little outfits they got. It's all colors and little things. It's all mean shit, believe me. Freaking sicko. That has to yeah. be the, one of the worst things that a human could do, man, is that child trafficking shit. It's like they sound like they had a direct line with fucking Epstein and. And Giselle, you know what's man. crazy? Not to get into this one too far because then this will go into the whole Q series, but even Quetzalcoatl, which now the order of Quetzalcoatl is an inner order of the jesters. You have to be a jester or a well, I think neither a jester or no or a shriner. You could be that's another inner order after the shriners. You could either be a jester or a order of Quetzalcoatl, or maybe you know all of them. But now the order of Quetzalcoatl, the order of Q, what do they do? They supply transit and they supply vans for uh the shriners for transporting children. Wow. We even have pictures of that shit, them having Fucking vans, Shriner vans, it says, like, uh, oh, uh, supplied by the Order of Q or some shit like that. It says or something like that. So, you know, donated yeah, by I, the Order of Q. The Order the of way, Q. Go ahead, Lux. I was just going to say, the same way that they, the same way that organized crime is, the reason why organized crime keeps all these different uh, people and groups sort of segregated or separated to make sure that if one goes down, the entire group doesn't go down, like, uh, crime families okay same shit that these secret societies are doing dude so if the jesters get caught the shriners will never be be taken down for it if order of q gets caught the jesters or the shriners or the masons won't get caught for it so it's just uh, their same outline as organized crime yeah just Damn. more separations from each other really because like I even I, I even had a friend who was pretty high up in the Masons. He's well, I shouldn't say friend, another associate that, that I knew from the OTO that I talked to every once in a while. That I, I still I assume he's probably still a Mason just because it gives him a title. He's gonna keep it. Uh, uh, he's kind of high up there anyway. And um, he even told me like I had sometimes every once in a while I'll ask him a few things. But just, just to see if like he even knows like of the topic or ever heard of it. And I was like, yo, you ever hear of the jesters? And he's like, yeah, he's like, actually, I have. He's like, he's like, they're actually kind of well known for being like fucking wild or like there's like bad rumors about them. Like he even said that. Mm. 
He's like, I don't think yeah. they're big anymore. But he said, uh, from you know what we've, you know what's been, you know, whispered around, or I guess you know whatever the rumors are, is that they are like kind of like a wild bunch. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna have to research those guys. I don't want to go too deep with them, but the, the darkness is is definitely complex and everywhere in the world these yeah. days on so many levels, man. So many levels, and I just want to thank you two for for coming on the Hidden Gateway podcast and sharing your knowledge and your experience. And uh, you guys do a phenomenal job. I encourage everyone to check out Cult Rejects. Phenomenal show. These guys very very knowledgeable. Um, regarding uh, uh, various topics, a lot of different topics, man. Um, what, what do you guys have in the works? Any, anything coming up? I know you're, you're you know, going to stay on the grind, podcasting and, and all that good stuff. In fact, why don't you guys go ahead and, and tell everyone where uh, they can find you? You let them know, Lux, if you want. Well, we're working on where to find us. Um, well, how about this? I'll, I'll say what's coming up in the works, and then uh, you can tell right. kind of where to find us and stuff. But so we've got a, a bunch of new stuff in the works new series um, that just based on our early research is I think it's going to be really entertaining for everyone. It's the more that I research it, my mind is blown, but we're going to be covering uh, some paranormal events at a very unique location called the Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh, nice. And, and I, I, you know, honestly, when you look at the paranormal and when you look at the, when you look at the occult, they're the same thing, man. We're just using two different words to explain the same thing. So the occult can explain what the paranormal is, and the paranormal is just results of the occult. Yeah. Paranormal is seeing the, like, you know, the word occult really is just like not knowing and not understanding. People right. say, oh, they're paranormal. Well, it's, it's paranormal because it's not normal. And you don't understand what the fuck's going on. It's not, <laughs> it's not usual. You're saying the same thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's right. Like if I was to make something to be able to actually visualize itself through magic and somebody saw that to me now it's magic. But to them, if they didn't realize I was doing it to them, they think it's a ghost and it's paranormal. Right. <laughs> but it was, well like, you know, who knows what was going on? Well said, well said. All right, man, Skinwalker Ranch, man. I, I know a little bit about that. I looked into that several years ago, man. It's some crazy stuff that goes on there, man. Crazy. Yeah. Man, I'm gonna definitely be on the lookout for that. Good stuff, fellas. Good stuff. Definitely be interesting. NY, what where can uh where can the people find oh. you, find you guys, man? Uh for me, I have the NY Patriot show. You can find me on BitChute, Rumble. Uh we are also me, Lux, and the uh the Occult Rejects are all on tour and more on the YouTube as well. All three shows are on there. Um I have my show there on all major podcasts, and then we also have the Occult Rejects, which is on tour and more, like I said. Bit shoot rumble and all major podcasts and Lux has his show Lux Rising, which is on I tour and more in the whatever podcast he sends it to. Sweet, sweet. Check them out. Check them out, good people. Check them out. And one last request for you guys. This is something I ask each and every guest to do when they come on the Hidden Gateway podcast is leave our listeners with uh, some words of advice. I like to call it a token of love, something that they can take with them forward on their journey. Uh, whatever comes to heart, whatever comes to mind, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be along what we discuss, but something that you may think that the people need uh, in this crazy day and age that will be helpful to them. Uh, I'll go first and I'll let Lux wrap it up because I'm sure he'll do a great job. With that. Um, something that I was talking about before that I realized I kind of skipped over and it was kind of a message that I did want to portray to people why we talked about magic. 
Um, when I was talking about that experience, before I decided to, I guess, wonder where I was and to turn around and see what I saw, before all that happened, like when the whiteness came and the whole visual, the whole visual experience kind of like just stretched out and appeared and then I was in it. But during that whole experience, you know, like I said, I was moving around for a while and I was just really, for one, I want to say in that experience, I felt weightless as every anger, every fear, shame, guilt, all of that was removed. Hmm. You know, and during these times, I felt I was like kind of one with the fabric of the universe. And I really was just like, there were times where I felt as if I was, I guess, there with God or consciousness, something I was feeling a sense of a love that is is not i cannot express here mm. you know so even though this stuff can be used for bad things it can be a beautiful experience and you can come back and do amazing things with that you don't have to be bad you know and i think that's part of the problem too you know it's that it's being used for bad and the people that could be using it for good don't know what it is but the thing is, I want to portray is that, you know, during that experience, you know, there was these spiritual times where I just, I cannot express and it was beyond like my wildest dreams, you know, and has changed my life, you know, for, for, for the better, I think. Mm -hmm. So there is a good thing with magic, I think. Phenomenal. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, brother. Thank you. All right, Lux. Um. Well, how do you follow that up? <laughs> that's, uh, that's good shit. But yeah. for real, um, ultimately, what we try to talk about on the occult rejects is that, um, you know, like NY said, all magic isn't bad. And the most important magic you can do is looking inside of yourself and realizing what you like and what you don't like, and then being conscious of those things and figuring out how each day that you can get rid of the things that you don't like and use the things that you do like about yourself to love the people and help the people around you to spread truth, knowledge, wisdom, the best that you can and not to, to live in fear and um, constantly worry about the next worst thing that's going to happen because our input in this whole matrix is just as important as these terrible guys at the top. So we, we can use our energy to trump their shit. Um, so stop living in fear. And uh, of course, you know, NY and I, we don't have everything figured out. So it's not like we're prophets, but, you know, or any bullshit like that. We're not looking for fame or, or money, but uh, ultimately just to kind of share people, share that information with people so that we can uh, possibly get out of this whole crazy situation because these people are not elite at the top. They're just holding information from you, and they decided to put that title on yourself Damn. Or, or on themselves. You know? Right, mm -hmm. right. Man, that's awesome, man. Thank you, brother. What, what I got from your message was know thyself and serve. Serve for the greater good, man. And if, if you, you do those two things, man, there, there's there's a lot of... Uh, a lot a of lot, magic that can happen. Lot. Yes, there you thank you. Thank you. A lot of a lot of great things, great positive things that can happen, man. Thank you guys so much for being guests on the Hidden Gateway podcast. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. It was everything that I wished it would be. Um yes. you guys are amazing again. Man, just keep fighting a good fight. 
keep up the great Thank work. You. you guys are doing a phenomenal job of what you do. And to our audience, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. Remember, you can stay connected with us at hiddengateway.com. If you want to chat, reach out, support at thehiddengateway.com, and uh, just continue pushing your minds towards a better reality, good people. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Rumble channels as well. You can catch us on Instagram, as most of you know. And this will conclude this week's episode. To, until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out. <laughs>